right, folks, welcome back to a new episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. You know, we hope everybody's doing well over there. Mel, how are you doing this evening? I am doing fantastic. It's always good when I get to talk to you. Come on now, you know oh, that. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. We're, uh, we're, we're coming to you live and direct from Zoomville. Our basements. <laughs> Zoomville. Um, bookshelves galore. I got a brand new bookshelf earlier this week. I was very excited. Things like that make me excited nowadays. Is that a sign of becoming an old man or what? I was just going to say that. Now we are officially old. Did you already fill it up with all kinds of stuff? For the most part, yeah. I mean... Yes, then we're officially old. If you got a shelf and you already filled it, yes. <laughs> yeah, Kat, we, uh, Kat put some of her books in there too because she's been reading a lot more this year with COVID. Yeah, I, 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 can't, yeah I was going to say, I can't understand why she'd be reading more. Yeah. It's not that she's bored with me. It's the COVID. No, God, yeah. I mean, it's either that or, you know, you can only watch so much TV. That's true. We're working our way through Hell's Kitchen right now, speaking of horror and hell. <laughs> Ramsey, which is pretty fun. The edit, I like the unedited version where you hear him really lay into people, which is cool. Oh, my God. I have fun. I have a field day with posting the memes from that show. Oh, yeah. He's good. He you know... It's like, it's almost like doesn't fit in society today because telling somebody they're an idiot to their face is like not cool uh, in the eyes of society right now, you know? Yeah, and then you just call them idiots to boot and then, you know, really start a war. Society prefers that you tear people down from behind their backs, not in front of them. Yeah, I'm not Willy Wonka. I don't need to sugarcoat. You're an <laughs> asshole. You're an asshole. <laughs> What's the... the there's a Willy Wonka line in Devil's Rejects, is it there? Where I'm Willy Wonka and this is my fucking chocolate factory? Yeah. That Devil's Rejects? Something along those lines, yeah. Yeah. Good times. No, no, I think it was House of a Thousand Corpses when he uh, was talking about her scooping the ice cream or something. Maybe. It was one of the two. But I know it was Otis that said it. Yeah, I remember that. I know that the, the part two has the, the famous fr- Tutti Fruity ice cream line. I know yep. that's on that, you know. Oh, in the barrel of the shotgun. Yeah. You think he's going to make a, a three from hell, too? I'd like to see one. Now, were you, some, see... were you a fan? Were you, like, much anticipating three from hell, even though you knew that it didn't have a lot of sit in it? I did. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of Rob Zombie's films anyways. Right. You know, so I was kind of bummed when Three from Hell wasn't playing anywhere near me. Yeah. When they had the, the limited, because it had the limited release, and they had talked for so many years about making a third one, but Rob Zombie didn't have the rights to the characters, so he had to get them back from Lionsgate and all that hoopla. So I didn't think it was ever going to get made. So I was happy that it was made. I was kind of sad that Sid wasn't in it as much, but I think that, you know... It was kind of odd how, like, at the beginning of the movie where he dies. Yeah, it was odd. And, and his character was, like, literally a year younger than Sid actually was when he passed. Yeah. And that was, we just had the anniversary of, of his passing was, like, last week, in the last week. Yeah, we should, on the next anniversary, we should give away a Mikey Bone Road print of um, Friend of the Show, Friend of the Show, Mel, so we can get this, this hookup. We'll get the, the KFC Sid print. Remember that artwork? Oh, my God. I love that one. Yeah. We, yeah, the guy who created that is a big fan of the show. So, like, maybe we'll get, get some giveaways for next anniversary of Sid's passing. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm sure his wife would love that. 
Yeah, when you brought up that limited release of Three from Hell, it reminded me of that episode we did with Chris McGibbon. Um, back to VHS, where we talked about how, like, you know, the the collectors, it really grinded my fucking gears when we talked about how the people go out and they just buy shit up because they know other people are going to want it, not that they want it. And yeah. when you brought up that limited release, it reminded me of the posters because they had those mini posters that were very limited. Yeah, and that's what I want. That was the night I wanted to go was the night they had the posters because that's the stuff that, like... I would love to have. Everybody wanted them. That was the big deal. I think that it was three nights and it was, everything was different. Like there was a, a special feature behind the scenes one night. There was a poster one night. And then the other night was something else that you got like limited. But yeah, I don't remember what the third night was. It wasn't anything, um, obviously too outrageous for me not to remember, but the poster night was the night I wanted to go. And the, the I know the theater that was playing it closest to me is like a half hour, 45 minutes away. I knew somebody that went to it. And they told me, they said, you know, they just, there was just a, a stack of posters that they just put the posters out. And they said, by, by like the first 10 people, they were all gone. Like people just. Yeah, because people just grabbing handfuls of them at the same scumbag. time. Yeah, very scumbag shit that I, uh, you know, that's not really. It was like, me. yeah, I think um, when It Chapter 2 came out, I want to say, we were in line to get our tickets. And I forgot, I, I think it was. There was a Marvel movie, something. They had a box of posters for something that was upcoming. And there should have been enough for everybody that was in the theater that night to get one. And, like, literally people were grabbing, like, handfuls of them and, you know, walking away with them. Yeah. It's crazy. They ruined it for everybody, you know? Yeah, because not that, you know, other people, you know, why would they want one? Yeah, it's terrible. And the saddest part is, like, half of that stuff just gets destroyed or lost or thrown away you know what i mean yeah i need to get some more like um those sleeves that we put our pictures in when we go to the conventions to keep them from getting like messed up after they're autographed so that i can start like tacking them up on my wall and whatnot yeah billy coin did that i think yeah that's where i kind of got the idea from was him it's a good idea because i've got i'm starting to get so many of them now like picture frames is ridiculous because they keep falling off the wall or whatever at least if they're just double taped up they don't have to worry about it and they're safe yeah, yeah. Your best bet might be eBay. Like, check on eBay for that stuff. Yeah, or Amazon. Buy it in bulk. Maybe. That's when I, whenever I get all like my vinyl sleeves or anything like that, I always go on eBay and get them like five dollars cheaper than elsewhere. Um, yeah, if you can even find them in a store. Yeah, yeah. When you go get like like vinyl sleeves, for instance, for records, like the the the, 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 the plastic covers you put over them. You go to like a regular record store. They want to like charge you like up the yin yang for like a 25 pack where you can go on ebay and just like get a hundred pack for literally like a couple dollars more um yeah so you're better off doing it that way beauty of it all i need to get one for my um because i bought the album for 31 yeah 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 Yeah, so i I want to get something to protect that i'll give next time i see you i'll bring you a sleeve yeah because it's got one of because i like the way it opens up like a book yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave I get it, but it, I have to, you know, contend with everything else falling over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'll bring you one. It's nice. Coolio. And then if you, then you could tack it up too. Like there's usually a little, there's a little extra plastic at the top where I've seen people like tack up the records. It kind of like holds it on the wall, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because then I can hook it. I can hang it up. Yeah. 
I love it. Since I like it. Since we're zooming, I almost feel like we should have compiled. A, a, we'll do it later. It's another episode. We'll bring on the actual um, covers and stuff. Because I had a lot. This episode, ladies and folks out there, uh, men, we don't listen to our show anymore. Men have all turned into folks. <laughs> Twenty. We don't. We don't. We don't want to offend anybody. It's probably more women that listen to us nowadays, anyway. You know, the, you, the women audience is what you want because a guy will listen, will listen to a podcast that a woman wants to listen to, but I don't think a woman will listen to a podcast that a guy wants to listen to. Well, that's not necessarily true because I listen to Justin's podcast all the time, and I don't mind listening to it, even though it's sports-related, but it's not sports-related. Yeah, I'm, I, that I'm wrong. I can admit when I'm wrong. That's why I'm all right. Yeah, but I'm not a normal female either. You know, I like a lot of things that most females wouldn't like. <laughs> it's a very delicate thing to say because if somebody takes it the wrong way, you know, it's the yeah. end of shock treatment with Mel and Maddie as we know it. Well, it wouldn't be the first time we've come close to that. Well, not by beef. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, actually, remember the, the whole piracy thing. Oh, no, that not beef between us, though. That was beef. No, beef, not beef between uh, us. Yeah, beef with the other idiot. Beef with the outside. It's all it's, it's uh, the outside against, world. Me against us against the world like Tupac. Yep. I, I support that because that's, that's the truth. We're bringing, <laughs> we're bringing Tupac back from the dead for an episode of Shock Treatment coming up. Oh, my God. Did you see that thing where, uh, what's her name, Kamala Davis or whatever said Tupac is one of the best rappers alive? Ah. <laughs> He's the vice, pre- like, vice president, right? That's how bad mumble rap is. <laughs> that is how bad mumble rap is. You heard that? I, I, I hear everything. Oh, I, I didn't know if we could hear if you could hear the background noise with the headphones on. <laughs> I, I, can hear, I can hear all. That's hilarious. <laughs> Tupac, yeah, that's it. Well, that's how vice- He's like, I didn't think he could hear me either. <laughs> I hear everything. He's like, I hear everything. I remember last time we talked, I had an idea, and at the end of it, when you hang up, I heard him in the background go, hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? All yep. Right. The, um, but, uh, yeah, what were we talking about there? Just talking about, uh, sheet. Oh, I was going to add something. Where, where were we talking? What were we just talking about before that? Oh, we were going to get into our show this evening of uh, our favorite VHS artworks. All right. I got lost in the shuffle, so we'll hop right into the big... We always get lost in the shuffle. That's why we're fun. It was important. It was like my last will and testament. <laughs> um, all right. Like knock so, everything over. Yeah. Yeah what, were the, yeah. what did he comment on? That's what we were talking about. Oh, the book thing. The, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, but um, recently, in it, like right now, when I heard him, what was he commenting on? Oh, when I was telling you about Kamala Harris saying how Tupac oh. was the best rapper alive, and that's when he mentioned the mumble rap, and you said it. She's the vice president. She's Biden's. Um, I think yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, but like that was the dumbest comment ever. Like Tupac's been dead since like what, nineteen ninety six? Yeah. Well, Biden don't make great, you know comment either sometimes well i mean he likes to sniff little kids so i mean oh my goodness that's true <laughs> that's horrifying um i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna right now he when if, if he gets in the presidency it's only so he can take a pill and die and then she'll be the president oh god he's too old i don't know why their people are so in love i mean i don't like trump either i mean every they're all bad politicians are bad news 
Oh God, yeah. They'll they'll tell you what you want to hear until they get into office, and then it's like, fuck you. We're in here now. Now we're gonna do what we want. It boggles my mind that everybody gets so upset over politics because, like, these politicians don't care about these people that are getting upset at all in the slightest. And they got people, they ruin friendships, families don't talk to each other over politics. And at the end of the day, they're all like, they're all laughing it up, collecting more money than us for doing nothing. And, you know. Facts. That's why I try, I don't bother with trying to post politics on my Facebook, like, because it's just going to start a war. You post the thing, you post something you think is funny. Somebody thinks that's your belief. Just because I post it on Facebook doesn't mean that's the way I'm feeling. I, I laugh at all those political jokes that go around where they're making fun of every, everybody gets made fun of both sides. I laugh at both of them. Because I post funny. them both. It's, it's <laughs> hysterical. Like, if you can't take it, just keep scrolling. I wouldn't post them, but you're more hardcore than I am. Yeah, that's why I'm always in Facebook jail. <laughs> People don't like me as is. I feel like if I got, if I got ultra-political, it'd be the end of the road. Yeah, whatever. If they can't tell you, know, everybody's always saying that you know, you got to respect everybody's opinion, but they fail to mention the fact is, is you got to respect everybody's opinion as long as it matches theirs. Yeah, exactly. Very sad. Very sad stuff I heard. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll hop into the episode real quick. You know, this episode, this week, uh, we're discussing, this is going to be like a continuation of our Back to VHS episode we did, where last time I think we just talked about, you know, the upkeep and, and collecting of VHS, where... This this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite VHS horror movie covers of yesterday's past. You know what I mean? It'd be nice if I actually had a VHS collection close by to, like, actually show the covers and why we're discussing this, but... I once let... Do, a, like, a show-and-tell type of deal. <laughs> I, once, I once let another filmmaker... That hasn't watched a VHS in 20 years and doesn't own a VHS, sit in front of my collection for a VHS documentary. So don't feel <laughs> bad. So don't feel bad. Because, you know, at least you enjoy VHS. He didn't. Right? <laughs> he just wanted to I mean, a documentary. Yeah, depending on what it is. Like, sometimes it's, it, you know, like the horror movies and whatnot. That's how I first started watching them was on VHS. So, of course, I like them. That's it, and I, I love the format of it because, like that art, the box artwork is so great because it, it's art. I, I consider it art. You know what I mean? It's a yeah, same- the mini posters, just like on when you buy a, a movie now on DVD or whatever. Three dimensional. Yeah, I like posters. Um, like I like how now every Halloween the horror movies get re released on like Blu Ray and DVD with like more up to date covers and yeah. you know trying to lure people that haven't already bought them or you know people like me that'll buy the same movie over and over again just because the artwork is different <laughs> i know the thing with with walmart you go to walmart and those the, the, the horror th- ones they do with different covers they're not even actually covers they're just cardboard yeah they're sleep the sleeves they're over it yeah yeah it does look cool i mean to hang up but that goes into the whole argument uh you know i was listening to actually james lamond uh he's got a podcast culture shock we were on yep. that a couple years. I'm going to go on soon. But I was on with uh, Hawk recently, and Bill Coyne, I know, was recently on with Patrick Rahal, who's going to be on our show talking about his book soon. Yeah, but, yeah, they were discussing, like, collectibles and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, that's the deal with that. But the VH, yeah, VHS is always, you know, it's beloved, beloved territory. Well, for us that grew up in that time, that time era anyways, 
Yeah. There's people, I think there's a younger generation, and there will be a younger generation of kids that will kind of go back, that, that weren't around when it was around, but go back. Almost like, um, I guess you could say records in a way. Like, when records were first kind of kicking off and booming, you know, I, I was like a kid. I, I you know, kind of, the, 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 my, I guess... I probably great, raised, was raised more in a CD era, you know what I mean? Like, we were there for a good chunk of like that. And you, you yourself, you're a little older than me, so you know. I Yeah, right, I got to see, like, VHS and cassette tapes fade out and then CDs come in. How could I forget cassette tapes? Would they, you know, we're more, that's, that's our era. We're cassette tape era. When it comes I mean, Christ, when I, was like, when I was, like, super little, I remember my father having eight tracks. So, you yeah. know. I got a couple eight tracks now. I got nothing to play them on, though. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody really does anymore. If they still have them, at least that works. I'm sure there's people that are nuts and have like the whole system, the whole setup. You know what I mean? If I could come across them, I'd have it because I mean, it'd be cool to kind of plug into my sound system. Would be fun. Just yeah, it'd be interesting because just how they because they played differently. Yeah, but they're not exactly great. Better. Um, no, it was like a step above below a cassette yeah at least vinyl like you get a crisper sound with vinyl like vinyl does sound i feel it's pure other people feel it too but there's people that'll argue that yeah you just you just fucking it's in your head but i think you know it has a crisper sound i like it it's a little more you know like i listen to uh like in the last year i picked up i've always been a fan but in the last year i picked up the like those last five johnny cash albums that he did with rick rubin on like the american albums and those... That's going to sound dope on vinyl. Those are so fucking crisp. It's like he's in the corner of the room playing, you know what I mean? Singing to like, you live in your basement. And usually he does. Usually I bring Johnny Cash back for, you know, tribute shows to myself. But, <laughs> but not in a long time. But it's cool. So, yeah, well, I mean, we might as well... We're talking about Johnny Cash, and the closest thing to horror is that he's dead now. So we'll pop, yeah, right? we'll pop into the actual theme. Um, the first movie that I have listed or a cover that I have listed is um, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. We talked about this a little bit in an unreleased episode of um, Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie with our Anthony Thurber second episode that we're waiting to drop on the world and devastate them. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I love that artwork so much. Ever since a kid, I think it was like the first poster I've seen uh, of any horror movie that I can think of. And... The part, the, the fire, you know, him with the claw, reach, looking around the corner. I just love that image. That artwork looks so great. I think it, the film, like we've talked before when we ranked all the episodes, we both think part two is kind of the worst film. And unfortunately, it's not like a part three, like part three Halloween where it grows on you. And it's almost like you mature with age and you understand that they were tr- attempting something different. Um, and you can appreciate but the world wasn't ready for it at that time. That, well, that was the deal. Well, like with the Halloween thing. Oh yeah, the dev, the world was dude. The, the world wasn't ready for like a Halloween without Michael Myers. They definitely really weren't ready for that. You know, it was like. A, and I think, like they said, I think their mistake with um when they released season of the witch for Halloween, yeah. um, was that the first two movies had Michael Myers in it, and originally I guess it was supposed to be like an anthology series where each movie was supposed to be different. So. You know, you release two movies with Michael Myers, and then you go, boom, here's Season of the Witch. And people are like, what the hell is this? You know, because everybody was expecting to see him. But we watch it now. So when when we were kids, we watched it and didn't like it because we were wanting Michael Myers. But 
But now it's in a league of its own. Now it's all about Tom Atkins. Yep. Because he's such an icon to the It's like it's his vehicle. Like he, like Tom Atkins is one of the only actors in horror or in general, I'd say, that can – you almost don't miss Mike Myers in that film. No, but, you don't because Tom Atkins just brings something – like his screen presence yeah. will, you know, make you forget that Michael Myers isn't walking around with a butcher knife. Yeah, you're unhappy. That, I mean, you're unhappy they're not there, but it's not. You're not go. You're not turning it off. Like he, that, that's a testament to Tom Atkins that he could carry. He could make people not turn off part three, and you know the, the story and everything's really cool. I think it's one of the darker. It's probably the probably realistically the darkest Halloween. Of all of them, yeah. Um, this is the subject matter is really dark of them. You know, very Illuminati. Behold the- kill all the kids. Yes. This is something we can discuss on that show. I know. <laughs> we'll have to do a special episode, a special mashup of that. But The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 artwork I really love. You know, even there's a UK artwork that was released that was really cool, too. But the original art, that artwork that they went with, the theatrical poster was, like, awful. With the mirror, like him with the girl... And they're like in the mirror, and they're reflecting. Yeah. And the mirror is like Freddy. That was like the worst artwork of all time. But the Nightmare on Elm Street artwork, and I know that you have a couple on on the list that you put together. I mean, that talk about a franchise with a great fucking artwork. Yeah, because I I actually I had um the original Nightmare on Elm Street mm. on my list, and Classic. Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. No two. No, I had one and three. It's all right. <laughs> and Freddy versus and Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> what you had that on there? Yeah, I because I, I just like the, the fact you know, that they the, up. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred ten percent. But yeah, like three, three's great. Four, five's great too. Yeah, <laughs> he's like I hear everything. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Six, I mean, and even all the way to Wes Craven, I mean, was really, even I liked the, the, the poster for that one, and the whole look was really cool. Yeah, and I like, um, which one was it? New, was it New Nightmare? Uh, yeah, the Wes Cravens. Yeah, yeah, none of, none of them were that, like, bad. I don't, I don't think there was a bad artwork on a, one of those, like, you know? Yeah when they were released for VHS, they were all like, like you said, mini little, mini little. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I enjoy it. And that, like, like I said, the theatrical, the only artwork of the whole franchise of Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't sit and I don't like support is the, the theatrical of part two. They should have just done the, the, they should have just made posters of that that VHS artwork. Uh, so great! It would have been. It would have, you know. Try to save the movie a little bit. I think it would have done. It would have done them better. It would have done more justice. I know that the other one's more detailed and stuff, but it just didn't. The other one has like a weird rock and roll feel. Well, they all kind of have rock and roll feels to them if you think about it. Like all those Nightmare on Elm Street. Posted. But even the coloring for it was different yeah. than the colors that they used in all the other ones. Yeah, it's true. It, looked, it, looked, it, it did. It looked more like a 50s, like, 50s throwback to, like, the, like, jukebox days type of thing. Yeah, and it was supposed to be, like, a, it was, like, a, a, they're trying to go for, like, some mental horror where, like, 
it was all in the kid's head and like that that you know that's where the horror plays they're like, yeah. they're like smart like, i think they're trying to make a smarter horror movie but like what the original is like really smart when you think about it like it's a really smart horror movie it's not your not your typical like gore movie you know which is why i think everybody loves it that's why it stands alone you know what i mean um as classic iconic horror film one of the best you know what i mean right up there you know Wes craven is west craven in the later half of west craven's career some people would argue and say he might not have made the best films in the end towards the end of his career um which i enjoy some of those older films but there's no denying that there was a period of time where west craven was like the goat of horror you know with Nightmare on Elm Street, Last House on the Left, you know, even going into The Hills Have Eyes, I think around the, 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 when those three movies came out, I think there was really nobody really touching Wes Craven, you know what I mean? No, definitely not, because I don't, I don't even think, um, there wasn't even that many, you know, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies yet at that point, I don't think. Yeah. You know, maybe one or two of them were out. Speaking of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that that is on part my... Part two? Well, part two. You see, that's one I can dive into the whole thing on because I, I love all of... I love the artwork for all of them except for, like, The Next Generation, um, which even The Next Generation was, like, the original... The VHS, which was, like, a... I remember... I'm trying to think of... I'm trying to think of the, the, the third, the fourth... The, the fourth one's artwork. I remember the DVD artwork, and it was, like, very lame. But um, I did have the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now the the, the 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 artwork everybody thinks of from right off the bat with like the meat hook and stuff. That's not the artwork I'm talking about. No, like that Breakfast Club no, looking that's shot. Part, that's part two. That's part two, and that is iconic. And I have it. Um, I have that actual VHS signed by Bill Mosley. Um, um, Bill. Um, Bill Johnson and the actress. I don't know why I'm blanking on her name. Oh, Caroline Williams. William, Caroline Williams. Yeah, I got those three to sign that tape. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I love that tape. The the Texas Chainsaw one uh, cover that I'm speaking of though it's an animated, uh, hand drawn, looks like a painting, and what it's like like the backgrounds, Sally's eyes all wide and teary, and yeah. then underneath it is like an animated shot of him, of Leatherface looking super psychotic, like with the chainsaw, like coming at you. And oh, nice. I love that dude. I, I, and I hunted that fucking down forever. That was one of those VHSs that I hunted down forever. And I found in the wild, um, which was the best way to find it. Cause you got, you feel such like a, yeah, an accomplishment, even though nobody cares. You know what I mean? It's one of those beauty, one of those beautiful things in life that mean a lot to you. You cared. You cared. So somebody did care. Yeah. So, but fantastic artwork. And then, yeah, part two, The Breakfast Club. Oh, fantastic. They're genius. Genius. I mean, that tells you right off the bat, you know, what you're getting into completely with that film. Yeah, I remember I remember there was a story. Um, I guess they were having like a reunion for that movie at one of the conventions and they got stopped in the airport because of the body being in the suitcase. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
they were like, oh, there's a dead body in the suitcase. We got to have you guys step out of line for a minute. Yeah. I mean, the, you, those, the yin and the yang of Chainsaw 1 to Chainsaw 2, nobody really talks about how drastically different those two movies are. You know what I mean? Which is a testament to Toby. And I remember when we did a document, we did it, we interviewed um, Joe Bob Briggs for a documentary once, and he talked about, you know, Toby Hooper and how great he like, you know, good guy, but like a super talent. Like he's like, people don't, yeah, he made these really iconic films and uh, that people like, but like Pete, he didn't work as much as he should have. And he was super fucking talented. And he's like, you know, Toby's kind of a sad case because every time he's like, every time he went to go make a movie, the studios would like kick his teeth in. Like it was something and, and like, they would always like, Oh, they were really rough on him. They, maybe they just didn't like him for whatever reason or, you know, he, he figured out a way to make the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with no blood, but like incredibly violent. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, 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 they didn't quite, the, the you know, the powers that be don't like that. Which is weird because like considering, you know, when you're watching a horror movie, you expect to see like literally buckets of blood everywhere with each kill. So, you know, the fact that he made that movie as scary as it was and you don't see like an ink drop of it. Especially with the words chainsaw and massacre. In yeah, the, in the title. You would be expecting it, the, the, the screen to be dripping blood. You know what I mean? That could be cool. <laughs> could be cool. So, yeah, rest in peace, Toby and Wes, icons. I uh, would love to have met both of them. That would have been really cool, you know. Hopefully we'll get horror conventions back and we'll, they'll bring in some more iconic directors. Because like I've stated before, that's kind of like my favorite people to meet when they come around to the, the filmmakers that made the movies. Yeah, like, I I actually got to meet George Romero before he passed. Yes. So, like, he was at one of the last Rockin' Shocks yeah. that I went to. So it was, like, that was a good thing that I got to meet him when I did, because otherwise I wouldn't have met him either, but... Yeah, yeah, I met him that same year. He was very frail at that time, which was... Yeah, you could see he wasn't feeling, you know, all that up to it. And he, I remember he was like, he apologized that he couldn't, that he just couldn't do his name, which was kind of like a sad thing. Cause he usually, he usually do stay scared, George, George A. Romero. And in the later years, like, you know, you get older and he's signed thousands upon thousands of autographs, I'm sure. So it's like, it's a lot on you, you know what I mean? And he, it was weird cause he kind of felt bad. And it was just like, I'm just happy to meet you, man. Like, don't don't worry about anything. Like yeah, having your autograph you know was just is. an added bonus to the whole situation. Yeah, it was interesting just to see. It was an interesting thing. It was an interesting like dynamic to kind of see him that he was kind of a little bummed out about it. But, yeah, because that's not something you would notice. With, well, I would have you know, some people. I would have noticed because it is it was for you know it was like a trademark thing for the longest time. He he always do stay scared, and it'd be cool to have it on there. But I ain't gonna. I'm not going to let that negatively affect my experience in the slightest. You know what I mean? Right. He could have, he could have like been like, he could have been, he could have been bad news. You know, we've dealt with a few folks uh, for, you know, fortunately it's been very few, but we've dealt with a few people and <laughs> that were, that were a little difficult. We'll say. Yeah. Um, Let's let's say, have you? I just did two in a row. So uh, 
and I'll, to finish off Texas Chainsaw, I'll say that the third one has a really cool cover as well. And I will say that the best teaser trailer of all time, I think, was the was the the teaser trailer to Part Three, where the the chainsaw comes out of the water. Yeah, like, so campy and fun, you know. But Mad Mel, let's hear some of your uh, VHS faves. Um, some of the ones I have are like like older movies, but like I have like Night of the Demons. I have that's, Night of the Demons on there as well. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's always a good one. And Sleepaway Camp. Let's talk about Night of the Demons for a little bit. Tenny <laughs> film, a fan favorite of Chris McGibbon himself. Um. We're actually, I'm a part of a documentary right now being made, you know, um, about the, the Night of the Demons thing, uh, you know, so anybody, they'll be seeing stuff on our page, on our shock treatment page, as that, that varies, you know, comes down towards us. With the release and whatnot. The release and such, yeah. The party's just begun. Um, a lot of cool people in it. But yeah, that the artwork, I was too scared to rent um, Night of the Demons as a kid because of that poster. Oh my god, she's so scary! Like, yeah, looking at that, I wouldn't have wanted to watch it, but I did. Scary, yeah, <laughs> scariest poster in the in, in the rental store, and I still don't know how they got away with something that creepy. Well, I mean, it's not like she was murdering anybody on the cover of it, you know. True, but and it was scary. It really it was for the time. I mean, I mean, it was 1988, so I mean, I was 11, so it wasn't like that bad. But even if I, yeah, you don't, you know, back in the in the video store days, when you know we went into rent movies, you didn't really see too many kids browsing the horror aisle. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't something that was going to affect them either way. Even if I had a poster of that, I don't know where I'd put it. Which I'm supposed to. Every time I talk to Chris McGibbon, he swears that. In his mind, he thinks he gave me posters for all of them, but he didn't give me any posters. And I want this, one. <laughs> I want one too, Chris McGimmon, If you're listening, hook it up, Bubby. I want a nice. I want some Night of the Demons original theatricals. If you if you got them in your if you're in your uh, possession, and if you just want to give me the only ones you have, your personal collection, I'll take that. Too. I'll take those too. Right? I'm not gonna argue. He got a dope setup. <laughs> Chris McGibbon, we were we were gonna we were Chris McGibbon was last weekend was supposed to do a Demons 45th anniversary was it screening at the Coolidge Corner which would have been super cool and we were gonna promote it because of the COVID dude couldn't do it so hopefully yeah <laughs> they'll figure something out when things are over but uh you know what can you do so Night of the Demons horrifying even as they go. Um, the second one's creepy too. The third, by the time they get to the third one, the artwork, they're kind of doing, they do the same type of like thing for all of them, where it's just kind of Angela on the cover. And, uh, by the third one, by the third one, her makeup looks so fucking bad on that cover that it's just like, it looks like Crayola gangbangs her face with some mockers. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You got it. And there's like a, a tit bang Crayola scene in the first movie. Remember? Yep. <laughs> they, put the, they put the crayon in her and a nipple, right in her nipple. We should get yep. her on the show. That'd be fun. Oh, God. I, I love her, too. And she's so sweet. Miss Quigley. Yeah, I did. Uh, yep. I just watched Return of the Living Dead again the other day. Classic. Classic film. Oh, I love her. I love that movie. That's actually one of the artworks I have, too. Return of the Living I Dead. I that, too. Yeah, yeah. So let's <laughs> jump into that real quick. Um, before we get into Sleepaway Camp, Return of the Living Dead. Great artwork, right? 
great artwork, great movie. Great movie. A lot of memorable quotes. Yeah, it's like you almost forget how great Clue Gallagher is in that movie, and then, like, you go back and watch it. Oh, and that's one of those ones that, like, no matter how many times you watch it, it's just a phenomenal movie. Um, that is, yeah, but him, between Clue and uh, Don Caffa there, that's some of the great, that's some of the great, and, and fucking Jack Karen, I think his name is, the dude who plays, like, the older guy, and, uh... Tom... Thomas, yeah, Tom... Matthews? Matthews, yep. I think. Yeah, he's great in it, too. Um, he's kind of some got some horror royalty, you know what I mean? From yeah. the 13th stint as well. But, yeah, you got to love the Return of the Living Dead. You got that punk rock zombie thing, you know what I mean? You got Dan O'Bannon from the mind of Dan O'Bannon, which was cool, you know, very rest in peace, Dan O'Bannon. You know, he had a lot more that he could have banged out of great shit. He died really young, which was unfortunate. That seems to be the, the the way it happens, you know. The good die young. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope it, it's not true for everybody. I know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> COVID's still here, so. Well, our soon-to-be vice president's favorite rapper is uh, is Tupac. Ben dead. Die young. <laughs> it's weird when you go back. I think Tupac was twenty-three when he died, and if you like, I can't even wrap my head around that. When you're like. 16 years old like when i was 16 in like 15 14 or like listening to when i was listening to tupac and when he died you're like oh he was an old he was an old guy you know he's he's an adult you know what i mean it's yeah. like it sucks but it's like you don't really like and i never really i never like thought of it as like oh you know he was he he lived a long life or anything like that but like i didn't you don't realize how young he really is until you get old like us you know Seriously, I mean? like he was just starting to live his life. We've almost li- we've almost we've almost lived two Tupac lives. Seriously, about that. And then he can I actually to- I actually have because if he was twenty three, I just turned forty three. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, you uh, you got him beat then. I'm old. Yeah, I think his mother just <laughs> passed too. Yeah, she did. Yeah, that was a big thing, too, just because of the fact of, you know, what she represented. Though, somebody killed my boy, Christopher. I just remember the Biggie's mother had that weird accent. My boy, they killed my boy, Christopher. I just remember saying that. Yeah, she kind of was, like, mumbly like he was. Like, what was your take? Thick kind of, I don't know, accent maybe, type thing. Maybe he sold all his crack to her, and that's what, you know. You know, rappers nowadays, they don't really live gangster life. They just kind of rap about it. So maybe he just, you know, he bought some crack on the street, and he sold it to his mom, and then he was like, I sell crack. Oh, or like that, I don't know if you've, if you've seen Notorious. Remember the scene where, where he first started selling the coke, and he's got the, the plate and she thought it was like a plate of old mashed potatoes and had thrown it away. And it was a really all his coke getting ready to get, he had to cut it up. The thing I don't like about, I don't, you see, you know, you got the biggie Tupac thing where people, where do you, where do you rest on the whole biggie Tupac thing with the, who do you, who do you think's better? I like them both equally. Yeah. I don't prefer one over the other. I mean, I think the whole thing was orchestrated. 
Tupac. All they were day. friends, but they were friends. Like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, Tupac is fantastic, but I mean, I, I'm, I get my moods where I prefer Biggie. When you want to go shoot people up, you put on some <laughs> Biggie. You know, see, that's why I, I say Tupac's better because, like, you get more. You know, there's more meaning to it. Yeah, Tupac was more of a poet. I feel, you know, Biggie, I like Biggie's lyrics and I like gangsta music and I like shoot him up and selling drugs music, but like, that's all he could really do. You know, Tupac could do that same stuff, but he could also do, but he was also well-educated, spoke well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like actually talk about like Biggie would talk about issues in the ghetto, but like those issues were the fact that he was selling crack to pregnant women. And then Tupac would talk about it, but he'd be talking about like how shitty it is. But if I remember correctly, Tupac was like, uh, Tupac was involved in like some weird thing that a kid died in, if I remember correctly, from the movie. I like, haven't seen that in so long. I would have to rewatch it. Yeah, it's possible that that kind of changed his, like something like that would be, would change, I think, because it would make you want to have more of a positive impact. If you, if you were involved with something negative like that, I feel like you would want to try and fluff it out a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I always thought, yeah, Tupac was was a better artist than, than Biggie was. And we can get into the death on Behold the Pill podcast one of these days, because I got my theories on that, too. Oh, um, I'm sure. I think everybody would have a, a field day with that one. On both of them. Um, my, but my, my fate, my, you know, the Biggie and Pac documentary is not one of my favorite VHS horror covers, but... Definitely not. There's a film called Phantasm by Don Coscarelli. That's a dope artwork. I have that, that one too. Super dope artwork. I like the tombstone lettering on Phantasm from that all the way down to like, it looks like a Black Sabbath. It looks like Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath cover kind of. It has that vibe to it, which I always appreciate. Yeah, you, you're waiting to see, like, Ozzy peeking out from around a corner or something. It's, yeah, and it's so creepy. And it's gay. It, it just... The artwork alone is real creepy, and it kind of, like, it lets you know what you're getting into, but, like, not, and uh, with still some anticipation type deal, you know? I actually just rewatched Phantasm the other day. I love Phantasm. Phantasm's one of, it's in a category where it's not quite as scary as Hellraiser, but I'd probably put that uh, maybe number two for scariest franchises. Okay. Yeah, I have Hellraiser as a movie too, for movie covers as well. Hellraiser had some cool cover artwork too. Um, a lot of it's just because Pinhead's so such a great character. Clive Barker created, like he does with everything, dude. Like Clive Barker is one of maybe the, our darkest genius minds of the last couple hundred years, maybe. I would. He's one I would definitely love to meet. He's coming around. I, I seen something, a picture of him where he was talking about how he's going to start. You're going to start seeing more of him. I'd like to see a new movie. He only did three movies. You know, I think he did, um, he did Hellraiser. He did Night, uh, fucking Night, uh, Night, 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 Night Breed. Candyman? No, Lord of Illusions. He produced yep. Candyman. I just recently watched Lord of Illusions again, and that movie's fucked up. Um, there's some really fucking creepy imagery in that movie. The whole cult aspect, wild, dude. Like, if you're out there and you haven't seen Lord of Illusions, go go peep that. Um, another artwork that I could say was super cool. Like that artwork that that was super dope. Yeah, I, I liked um, uh, Evil Dead. 
Evil Dead classic. I was going to put them on my list as well. Um, you know, all that artwork's really cool. You know, evil from the from the hand coming out of the grave. You know, the part skull. Two, yeah, part two has the skulls, and it has like that more animated one. I remember like Walmart. I think it was originally the UK cover for it, but in the DVD days, they didn't do the skull release. They did like um, that animated cover. Yeah, I actually have an I have an Evil Dead T-shirt. It's a with the with the skull on it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like that. I got a I got like a little the black box, uh, like the jewel case box that came with them. I used to get the, you know, they they would like the Dawn of the Dead box. I mean, these are more like the these VH. There's so many. That's why we couldn't do a top ten list because there's so many cool. Like we could easily just kind of. Go from because like yeah, because you just even brought up Dawn of the Dead, and that's another yeah. one that is oh, a dope ass yeah. cover too. Yeah, like anything yeah, from Romero, yeah, yeah all the yeah, Romero movies the had awesome covers. It's true, except for Bruiser. Bruiser had like the weakest cover of his whole catalog. I'd say Bruiser had like the weakest, and it's not even that bad of a movie. Realistically, it's it's one of those things. It's weird because it's. Not your typical Romero movie, and by that I mean it's not a zombie movie. Even though he, you know, he's done Dark Half and some other things that were not zombie. I mean, he's definitely had his impact in horror outside of the zombie world as well. Yeah, it's just everybody. It, just known his name him. is yeah, his name is synonymous with zombies. Unfortunately, I didn't put his name on more checks to thank him for creating zombies when he was alive. But what can you do? Right, seriously. Greg Nicotero took over the reins, and then he did Creep Show, the series. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ghoulies. Yeah, so, Goonies. Ghoulies. Oh, Ghoulies. Ghoulies is a <laughs> Ghoulies is a good a good artwork as well. Um, a Bill Coy favorite. Yeah, yeah, Bill Coy. <laughs> spookies. I had Spookies on my list because even though, I, well, I've been told I need to go rewatch the movie because I remember it not being that good. I only have it on VHS, but they re-released it on Blu-ray recently. Um, but I was told it's actually on Blu-ray. It's actually like a way better watch. Which usually these, you know, that's what's so beautiful about Blu-ray and 4K. You know, is like you can. It's like rewatching a movie for the first time sometimes when you're watching these movies that. You know, you watch on VHS and they're kind of dirty and gritty, and then like you get that clear depth to it, and all the colors pop, and it's really nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of horror movies that you know that cleaning them up gave them a whole new life. You know what I mean? Where it's just like it's not a horror movie, but I'll bring up the Warriors. Like the Warriors is a is a great movie. Um, and when they started putting out DVDs, when they put out the Warriors DVD, the Warriors Blu-ray. The Warriors Blu-ray was the best Blu-ray that I've seen. Like, I would always talk about how that one, that movie cleaned up so great for the Blu-ray transfer. The 4K will probably look amazing as well. Um, it's funny, me and, my, me and my, 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 my nephew Andrew met some of the Warriors at a convention, and uh, I'll say that one of them dropped a lot of money. Were you there for this? Um, I don't know. Maybe was it if it was at Rhode Island Comic Con? I, I probably was. He dropped like a. I won't. I won't name which one because I don't want to insult him, even though I probably should. Um, <laughs> the he dropped like a big wad of twenties on the ground and like kept walking, and uh, it was around his booth. So like I, I grabbed his attention and I was like, you know, hey, you dropped money, and he went over and grabbed it. It was like sixty, eighty bucks, right? 
Yeah. And we're talking to him. The dude didn't even, he should have gave up a free autograph, dude. Me and Andrew were talking to him. If I, if, if somebody saved me, I think he said, thank you. So that's the only reason why I'm not mentioning who, which one it was. Cause he, yeah, at least say that, but I feel personally, I feel somebody saves you from losing 40, 60 bucks. You can give them a $20. You can give them a fucking picture that costs you $3 to print. Right. And, seriously. To show your appreciation yeah, for the yeah. fact that you were honest about it. Yeah, like I very very easily <coughs> could have just scooped it and pocketed it. Give him his own money back to pay for the autograph. <laughs> well, that's the deal. I go, I go spend it on somebody else, and I really upset him. There's like a whole trick in the people, the sly, the sly people out there that go to conventions know this. That when you see money on the floor, you do the old step on it and, and slide it to the, the slide it over the wall trick. Yeah. And then you pick it up. Then you grab it under your shoe. And then you count your goods, see what you just made, like the lottery. You win in the lottery. It's like God's lottery where you can just, <laughs> just win. It's beautiful. Yep. But um, I could have easily done that. You know what I mean? And once, I mean, at that point, it's, it's his word against mine. I could just say, oh, that fell out of my pocket. You know what I mean? Then you got go to go see if there's cameras working, if there even is cameras working, who knows, and go from there. Uh, I could have had beef with a warrior the way we had beef with J- J- Jason Momoa, my boy. <laughs> yeah, Aquaman's Jason Momoa, that was fun. Aquaman and his manager weren't very nice that day. Aqualung himself. Well, he was nice. His manager, not so much. <laughs> was the manager trouble? I remember him. Well, um, it was the manager telling him not to just have people come up to the table to say hi. Was that definitely the manager? I thought that, that was, was definitely the manager. That wasn't him. It was the manager. Oh, man. The whole beef we have is the for, is all blown out of proportion then because he gave me the people's eyebrow though. I'll never forget that. That's where my whole my whole issue with them comes from. Where he gave me the people's eyebrow. I would have. I, I I mean, we. Had, I would have just liked to have gone up and been able to talk to him more on a one on one basis, other than you know the 30 seconds for the $110, you know, professional photo we had done at the Comic-Con, you know, you could at least have 10 seconds to talk to us at your table after, you know, ushering us out after 10 seconds for a picture. I I agree. I got to stand next to him. He smells really good. And he was nice to all of us when we took the picture. So I can't complain too much. He better be nice. Damn. If he can't be nice while you're taking the picture... John Cusack wasn't. No? Nope. Really? Broke my heart because I always had a thing for him growing up, and then he was a total douchebag. Really? Yeah. Why? What did he do? He was just really rude and, like, didn't want to, had a, didn't want to be bothered attitude. Both him and his manager, actually. It was like they were having a lover's quarrel or whatever that day. Maybe they were. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, everybody gets in their moods, but like when that's the first time I'm meeting him and I was super excited to meet him and even more so to get into a a, a photo op with him, I was kind of bummed that it wasn't, you know, what I was expecting. Maybe he was trying to get his mind in the right place to play the Raven 2 or something. Oh God, I hope not. Some other pile of dog shit. Right. Cusack's a gentleman that has had, had, had some better years 20 years ago. I could see him having like a weird ego. I don't know why. But I could see him having like a weird issue. But you never know. Maybe he was having an off day. Yeah, they all have him. But I mean, it just sucks when it's the first time I'm meeting him. Like if it was the first time and he was good, and then the second time I'm like, whatever. You know, like the first time I met Bill Mosley, Bill Mosley was awesome. And then like the the third time I met him, it, it 
like he was probably like, you know, you've already met me twice. Why are you in my line again? <laughs> Type of deal. If it makes you feel better, the first time I met, Mos- met Bill Mosley, he was, I don't want to say he was a bad dude. Because like I said, these people get like, it's just like you catch them in the wrong times and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he probably, he was probably hungry. He could, you know, at the time, you don't know what was going through his head. He was probably hungry. He needed to use the bathroom, whatever. And then like there's lines of hundreds of people standing there waiting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Bill Moses is one of those, like, I, I don't want to bash him because he's a nice, I've seen him be nice. No, he's a really nice guy. I've seen him be nice to other people, so I don't want to bash him. <laughs> but, uh, I always had good stories about him, but yeah, I probably just caught him at a bad time. And um, yeah, maybe I maybe I wasn't uh, maybe I don't know maybe I didn't approach the way that I, I should have or something. I don't know. It was the first year I went, so like it was like I was new to the whole convention thing. And uh, realistically, around that time, he would have kind of been new to the fact that they're everywhere now. Like there was like, there was a handful before that and now it's more of a thing. And yeah, you're, you're, you're there the whole time, you know, but John Cusack, you should have told him to get back, get into a hot tub time machine and go find a fucking better attitude. <laughs> no, seriously. If I had thought of that, I probably would have said that. And I would have gotten escorted out of Comic-Con and lost my press passes. <laughs> one, of, one of my high, one of the highlights of my, my, my stories like that is I was walking through, I was walking to, in a, through a Walmart one day and, uh, I seen this. See James Woods. <laughs> I see, uh, dude, I'd love to meet. People hate on James Woods. I love James Woods, man. See he frequents. Films. His he frequents the Walmart up here. Um, oh, really? In uh, is I don't know if it's wait if it's considered Wakefield or North Kingston or South Kingston or whatever. Yeah. But down that end of the woods is where he lives, and he's oh, always I, in that Walmart. Oh, that's cool. I'd love to. Like people, hate, he's got politics. Like opinion, he's very opinionated on his politics. So people hate his guts and stuff. And I don't even know what his politics are. I just know a lot of people don't agree with them. But his film, I can only judge him on his film work. Now he's another, and I wish I love a lot of his film work. And he's another dude that look. He's like a John Cusack that looks like you, you might not have a good time talking to him. He, like he looks like he could be a little. He could Stand be standoffish. Standoffish is a good way to put it, I guess. Um, which I, you know, like I've said before, I don't like. I, I'd rather keep walking if I think there's going to be, if I think it could be a bad experience. I'd rather just keep walking and not have the story than to have a bad experience story. But yeah, like, that was kind of my fear with like meeting like Tom Savini. Yeah. You know, everybody was, you know, was talking about how he's always a jerk and he doesn't give a care about his fans and whatnot, and then. Billy introduced me to him at Rock and Shock, and I'm like, why was everybody, you know, bad-mouthing him? He was, like, super nice, and then I saw him again at Scarecon, and it was, you know, hi, how you doing, you know? Yeah. Very, very nice, and then I just watched his documentary recently, too, and, like, he's really, like, a good dude, like... He cares about his family, you know, his daughter comes, you know, his kid comes first, his grandkids... How can you argue with a man that puts his family over his work? No, I agree. Like Savini, I've I, I always heard those stories too, and I've had nothing but good experiences with Savini. And he's like a good dude where I think he remembers, you know, sometimes, you know, because you know I've bumped into him and like had conversations with him outside of it. You know, I don't know if he's ever gone to DVD. Maybe he should. He should for sure. But yeah, I think he's just caught up in it. You know, and I think he just, you know, a lot of these folks are. They're not the they're not spring chickens, and they're doing this lifestyle of it's like rock and roll, dude. It's like you get on a plane, you get to a hotel, then you're performing for fucking twelve hours. You're on, you're yeah. 
for 12 hours and then you go back to the hotel. You either go act and perform at an after party and beyond, or you go back to your hotel, crash out, maybe get some food, crash out and do it all again the next day. So it's like a different, it's, you know, and then you add, you know, like you said, add, add a personal issue, you know, they're, they're dealing with something at home. Maybe someone in their family's sick. Maybe they yep. just fucked out of a bunch of money. You know what I mean? Maybe they just worked six months on a, maybe on a film project that just fell through, or he just created a, a project all out of, out of pocket that now he has to eat because the project's dead, you know, like yeah. it can be, I've tried like, I've tried to kind of look more on that side of things. Like I, when we started doing like conventions and you get to meet people and stuff and it is like an eight, 12 hour, like, you're like that's a long day. It is a Just long day. sitting there. Like I can understand why that, you know, there are certain people that when you go like when they're convention regulars, and, you know, you see them disappearing. You understand why, you know, they're sitting there. You've got lines of people coming through. You, you know, some, like like I said, sometimes you just want to go to the, you need to go to the ladies' room or the men's room or you want to grab something to eat or grab a drink real quick. And, you know, they don't want to stay away too long. But, you know, at the same token, you need that five, ten minutes to kind of get your bearing and, you know, try and keep a mindset where people aren't going to be afraid to approach you. Sometimes conventions aren't exactly the most organized events. You know, sometimes it's, you know, fans just running it because they want to see it themselves. And, you know, there's no, this ain't no shot at any of them, but sometimes, you know, they just, it's just too much for, for them to kind of do. And, you know, that could be a reason why people get upset and they're kind of difficult. You know what I mean? Yep. But luckily, I can I can count on let my hand you know how many people have been difficult. And, yeah, I really I really haven't had. I think the only person that I could actually really say that was difficult was Billy Zane at the last Scarecon we went to. You he see, was kind of he was kind of a diva, and I kept wanting to ask him if he wanted a Snickers. Ah, uh, see, with the Billy Zane thing, we both had different experiences. Um, like he came by. He came by the booth, like, for a split second, and he was friendly. And, it, like, I didn't really get to talk to him much because, like, he did, this, he did the phone thing, which a lot of celebrities do, where they pretend to be on the phone so you don't bother him. Yeah. But he was, like, cruising around looking at the tables real quick, and we said, like, hey, what's up? And he kind of kept gave the nod and kept going. And then later, like, later in the evening, I went over to his booth, um... I don't know if I gave him a DVD at our booth or at his, maybe at his. And I remember, you know, I went up there and I was just like, you know, I just wanted to say, hey, uh, big fan of Demon Knight. Because I love Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Which yeah, is, that movie's awesome. I think that's the best thing he's done. I said, that's my favorite film you've done. And he kind of smiled and said, thank you. And like that, that situation was kind of eye-opening, I remember, because I remember like all weekend hearing people talk about how difficult he was being. But then, like, going over and talking to him. And when you talk to him, it's kind of like he's not difficult. It's more like it's that artist thing I've talked about before where it's like all artists are a little off. You know what I mean? They're well, I mean, even celebrity-wise, like, you didn't – the majority of the weekend, anytime I saw him other than, you know, with the person that was his manager or his handler or whatever, you didn't even really see him talking to the other celebrities, really. 
Well, yeah, that artist thing, I think a lot of artists are kind of a little socially awkward, you know, to themselves. You know, they they have moments of being outspoken and boombastic, you know what I mean, all all over the place and stuff. But for the most part, when you're, especially in that that go, go, go atmosphere, when you're not on, you're kind of just kind of not wanting to play it up. You know, think about how it is, you know, just think about how it is for those people that are happy all the time that, like, I can think of people right now that we know that are happy all the time and, you know... Or at least seem happy all the time. Yeah, like, I don't want to mention names of <laughs> people that are happy, happy all the time. And it's like, nobody's that happy all the time, you know what I mean? And it's all, it's like, but, like, when you're known to be that, you, you got to put that show on. You gotta put, what, all I can think of is that Eminem, that, that Cypress Hill Eminem song where Eminem's like... Eminem just talks over it, that rock superstar song where he's like, it doesn't matter what type of day you had. You could be having the worst day, but you see somebody you don't even like, you got to walk up to him. You got to say, hey, how you doing? Slap his hand, act like everything's okay. And uh, like, that's it. That's the politics of it. Like, even if you hate this person approaching you, you have to like. What's up and keep it moving just to stay face. That's the business. Yeah. Um, And this day, like, you know creating issue even if you have issue with somebody it's not worth i've learned the hard way like even if you have an issue with somebody it's better not to even deal with it just like let it just fucking die or whatever because like any even if you're right and you're you make a decision for like for the greater good like if somebody's upset you're automatically going to be wrong so like you're better off just not even to try and not deal with it as much as possible yep just play dead but uh, I also put the Monster Squad on my list because I was always a gigantic Love the Monster Squad. Gigantic fan of that artwork. I love it. The old-time Universal Monsters, you know, above them. It has that very, like, throwback look to it. Very cool. Um, I could also throw Night of the Creeps in, in the category with that. Another uh, Fred Decker film. I probably won't polish off... Um, polish it well, off. We know I'm a, I, I'm a big Night of the Creeps uh, fan anyway. Oh yeah, you know, that's it. that's dope art. That did have a dope artwork on it. And it. Yeah, and there was other artwork too that was really cool. Like it has the the the, the you know the zombie at the door artwork, but it also has like really cool artwork of um, Jill Whit Whitmore. I think her name Whitlow. is Whitlow and Jason Lively, like being circled in by the zombies when they're in front of the the Delta Beta house. Yep, she's got the flamethrower and she has the shotgun. There's like a really cool poster of that I've seen that's probably better than the theatrical, but I like the simple effectiveness of the, the just a zombie at the door. The the good news is your date's here, the bad news they're, they're all dead, yeah. Like and the way Tom Atkins is phenomenal in that too. Great. Ultimate. Yep. I, I, I wanted to order that set when it when they um the there was a release not too long with the doll. Yes. Yeah. I would have loved the action figure on that one. It's Miller time. I think Billy has it. I wouldn't doubt it. He always gets the good ones. Tom Atkins is going to be um, a tough loss, unfortunately. But hopefully he has many more years at him. Um, yeah, he's got, hopefully he has Betty White syndrome. A true icon. A true icon of the industry. The I have Pumpkinhead, too. Pumpkinhead, great artwork. You know that, that, if, that, if that doesn't scare you, I don't know. If the yeah. artwork doesn't scare you, the movie's not going to. I agree. That is the creepiest monster ever. It really is. Stan Winston knocked it out of the park with that. Um, 
Yeah, I got to put that up there with um, Phantasm and, and Hellraiser. One of the one of the most scariest franchises because that creature is so evil and demon like, you know. Um, that's and, and the size alone, like size. how he towers. Like if I seen that coming at me, I'm out. I hope I'm not one of the people that you know did whatever to make him have to come back because I don't want him coming after me. Do you remember what Lance Henriksen's name was? It. Was it Ed Hartley? Something like that. You want revenge for your boy, Ed Hartley? Yeah, <laughs> classic. With the witch. The yeah. witch looked terrifying. Pumpkinhead himself looked terrifying. When when Lance Henriksen is like, got the big sweaty forehead and like, I think his eyes are like black when he's like summoning, where he's like feel, feeling Pumpkinhead's like in him. Because, yeah. you know, spoiler alert, you know. They're the same person at the end of the movie type deal where, like, uh, let's just say if somebody dies, Pumpkinhead dies. That's as far as I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, because he's giving him his energy. You know what I mean? But, yeah, Pumpkinhead, great. That And that art, that original VHS artwork, which I believe is him, it's the full body shot of him in the woods just kind of like in that stance, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that is a great one. Yeah, one of these days we'll do the we'll do like the cre- the scariest, the actually scariest franchises. We'll talk about them. We'll team up on it, and we'll be like a top ten list. They'll be like ahead of time. We'll do we'll put together a list, and then we'll go through like the top five and talk about them. Um, I also had cre- critters. You know, another another artwork of just yeah. the creature, the creature just kind of standing there on the cover. Thought that was really cool. Critters two, uh, I appreciate that cover a lot as well, with them all balled up. You know, Critters two is one of those horror movies you can argue that the sequel is a little better maybe than uh, the original. The original, yeah, I think isn't that the one too where you start to see more of the bounty hunters? Yeah. So yeah. that kind of brought a little more to it too, because them transform you know, morphing into whatever character. Because I remember when one turned into Freddy Krueger because he was staring at the poster. Yep. So, you know, that was kind of dope. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, Ugg. The American, Ugg the American hero. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> that would be dope. Get one uh, made up for your, just for your own. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a, a, spe- a shock treatment special edition. Hell Yeah. Nothing wrong with having a, a special shirt for yourself. I support that. I uh, I also had the Frankenhooker box because there, there was one that talked or lit up that I have. Um, that was really cool. It was one of those like uh, 3D, three-dimensional boxes. Oh, that's cool. I've never seen that one. Yeah. Yeah, another three, like a, a pop-up one. I put Jason Goes to Hell on my list too. Because yeah, that was dope artwork on that too. The artwork's really cool. It's uh, it's all fire, and then like the, the 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 silver mask is like raised off of the cardboard, and the snake is raised too. So like you can, and then you you run your you run your face, run like, your hand over it or whatever, and yeah, you know, like a goosebumps cover where you like you touch the tub or you can feel it like brill, like a horror <laughs> child brill going on over here. Like when uh, you're trying to teach kids how to you know their senses and whatnot, and you know like pet the cat. You know, yeah. the, the cat books type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, how about you? You got any others? I'm, like, sitting here looking at my movies now. <laughs> Fright Night. I had Fright Night. Fright Night has a great Yeah, color. Fright Night's awesome. <laughs> I have Silent Night, Deadly Night. <clears throat> yeah, I remember there was a story about, like, the art, like, how, um, like, the artwork for the poster, uh, 
like that uh, the the makeup job was was such a small wasn't supposed to be such a big deal and then it came out so good that they made it the poster yeah which is cool and i have i liked the um the artwork for the dvd the dvd vhs release for chud that's got great artwork too yeah because that was just creepy because while you see the eyes like glowing out of this you know the sewer yeah and it has like that very like like the '80s, a lot of those, some of those have like very. You can tell they were shot in a studio type feel to them, where like they're pieced together digitally as well as like actual real footage that was shot, and then they build on it, which is nice. Um, yeah, yeah, like, I, I watched that the other night too. I've been like watching a lot of old '80s movies that I haven't seen in a while. You're better off. I just plugged in the TV downstairs, so I might start watching. I gotta catch up on some newer stuff. I got some indies. Um, well, I like the cover, like the original, you know, because the, the new trailer dropped today for the new craft yeah. movie. And, you know, I'm looking at it. I mean, they they, they show a picture of one of the, the girls in the new one holding a picture of Feruza Volk's character when, yeah. you know, right before she went to the nut house. Mm-hmm. So I'm cur- I want to see it. I, I'm not crazy about Blumhouse movies, but I want to see it just because of the fact I want to see where they take, you know, showing that. And here comes Alexander Hawk. Alexander Hawk, dude, I wish I could have a still of you with that, that weird, sad, like, scared face because you didn't think you were supposed to be here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Alexander Hawk just crashed the show. Uh, we're, we're, we're wrapping up. Uh, what time do we have over there, Hawk? How long is this? Uh, I've got eight thirty. How long is an episode? I have eight twenty-seven. I, I thought I'd try to be. I told you eight thirty. Damn it! <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, dude. I'm no, that's sorry. We're gonna bring Ray Boot. Ray Booten's here too. We'll bring it. We'll bring Ray in too, and we'll like we'll wrap up the show real quick. Uh, Alright, there he is. Maybe this will be the. Maybe this this is the only way to get the full. I wonder when, when this is done. Maybe we'll see if we can get the full screen effect. Um, because if we can get this to be the full screen, that look, look at that ray. Look, ray. Look yeah, because you can change the view. Yeah, it's true. All right, I just changed the view, and now I see all of us. Well, Ray just says Ray Booten right now. Ray chill, and we'll let Ray chill for a little bit. But so yeah, we'll we'll finish up the episode. Um, Hawk, you got you you remember the the? You get any favorite VHSs from back in the day? Oh, jeez. Favorite VHS is... More horror realm? Uh, I'm trying... I mean, honestly, I would... I mean, I know I've said this before, but Monster Squad, I mean... We just uh, talked about... No, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what else I had. Uh, let's see. Um... That's dead air. Dead air. Yeah, I'm sorry. Killed us. Well, hey, you know, Hawk. I want to thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. Um, I had one more VHS on there in the list, and it was uh, the Gorgor Girls from Herschel Gordon Lewis Big Box Midnight Video Edition. Um, I kind of just cruised through my collection a little bit and just grabbed a couple ones that I, I'm a big fan of. You know, the Gorgor yeah, Puppet Masters were good too. Yeah, those had great artwork too. Um, it's one of those things, you know. Go Go Girls, uh, that film, I, you know, it's the first Herschel Gordon Lewis film I ever seen, and I stumbled into it when I had a gigantic VHS store in Florida 
I was visiting family and I heard about it and they brought me to this place and oh boy, oh boy, do I wish I could go back to this place again, but I'm sure it's gone. And it was like the size of Walmart. I shit you not. And it was all VHS. Oh, that could be fun. It was just table after table after table. Like Hawk at Bull Moose, you know where they put those those VHS, how they have that weird, those tables with like the sides so they go in. So like nothing can fall off the side type deal. Yeah, it was just all tables like that, literally the size of Walmart. And I found Slaughterhouse, which is also a great uh, horror artwork, that uh, VHS artwork that, that I, I hunted that down forever. I had to go all the way to Florida to find that. So that's probably maybe the, lo- the longest journey I've ever went for a movie. Um, but, yeah. Mel, you got any other artworks you want to talk about? Not any that I can think of at this particular moment. Okay. I dig it. I dig it. I'm with that, yo. I'm curious to get into this whole conspiracy thing now. Oh, hell yeah. So, uh, should we just cut this and restart up? Yeah, sure. Why not? Then, yeah, so I'm going to pull us out and uh, we'll, we'll... That's what back. she said. Hey! <laughs> and we'll pull back in and uh, we'll start up the other one. So with that being said, folks, you know... We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. Uh, hope everybody thanks. has a great night. Have a great night. Alex Hawk, thanks for joining us for a moment. Uh, Alex Hawk is going to be on. We're doing a, an episode of Behold the Pale podcast after this. So Alex Hawk will be joining us for that. So if anybody wants to listen to what we're about to do, uh, go check out the Behold the Pale podcast show. Uh, wherever you find this show, you'll be able to find that show as well. It's like a brother company under the Boombastic Media Network with the Boombasticast with Alexander Hawk down there. Catch him. He's a big co-host on that show. Uh, catch, him, catch him doing this thing, talking about all things big budget, small budget. Um, you know, Tom everything Hanks, in between. Tom Hanks molesting children and stuff like that. <laughs> all that stuff is, um, you know. Forrest Gump. He says, don't blame me. Stupid is what stupid does. <laughs> I didn't know they were that young. All right, folks. <laughs> we'll catch you on the next episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>